If you look at traditional ways that people have tried to price segment in the past, they will, like you, BlackFi is a perfect example, they'll basically discount for that short period of time and then raise the prices. That's a pretty crude way of accessing fewer consumers. It's taking a giant hammer and just kind of smashing it down versus, and, and you're destroying also and diluting some of your full price sales and, and the consumers that are willing to buy at those higher price points. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. We have all heard the data. Consumers are less loyal to brands than they have been in the past, and they're also more mindful and price conscious than ever before. Sure, Price consciousness has always been a bit of a talking point in the retail world, but Stephen Hong believes that this is a critical trend in retail and will likely continue and in some cases evolve moving forward. That's why as CEO of Discount Bandit, he's focused on creating a great marketplace experience, not just for shoppers, but for retailers and manufacturing partners as well. The Discount Bandit model is pretty fascinating. It's essentially a blind shopping experience for the customer, similar to what you may find on some travel marketplaces. Um, And really the goal is to give customers the best possible price. They don't know which retailer provides the products. All they know is that they're going to get a great product that they want at the right price point. There's a whole lot of other magic that happens in between um, that and the ultimate end purchase. And Steven gets into how it all works, why it's valuable for all parties involved, and most of all, how Discount Bandit takes learnings and consumer behaviors and turns them into trend-based insights that empower their partners. Listen in, because pricing is a big topic right now, given all of the factors that are impacting pricing strategies, and um, he adds another layer to the entire conversation. Listen in, you'll see what I mean. Steven, thanks so much for joining us on the pod. It is great to meet you and great to have you. I'm excited to be here, Alicia. Thank you. So uh, first things first, why don't you tell us a little bit about Discount Bandit? How would you define its business model and how it differentiates itself against key competitors? Sure. Great question. Very different than things that have come before. So Discount Bandit is a blind online marketplace that helps retailers acquire new customers through price segmentation. Now, what do I mean by blind? Right, It's an interesting word. So traditionally, a blind marketplace means that who the seller is, is unknown, at least at the time of purchase. So you may have seen things like Hotwire and trying to get a hotel room at a great price. You don't know who the hotel is until you've booked it. You know the proxy, you know where it's located and the price, but you don't know who the hotel is. And Priceline did similar things with airlines. So what we did is we brought this several years ago into the retail space. So when a consumer comes to our site, they know the exact item they're looking to purchase and they know the price. But at the time of purchase, they don't yet know who the retailer is. Once they have purchased, post-purchase, and we've matched them with a retailer, at that point in time, 
we reveal to them who that entity is. Why is this interesting? Why would retailers be interested in this? Well, they're looking to grow sales, right? They're looking to acquire new lifetime customers. And really importantly, they're looking to price segments. Consumers have become more and more frugal over the pandemic period, but also that's just been a trend overall with with consumers becoming more savvy. So the retailer is looking at price segment by offering the same product, but at different prices to different customer segments. And they want to do this without cannibalizing their existing sales or causing issues with their map contracts. And because the retailer's identity is kept private, we are able to offer our shoppers lower price points without damaging the retailer's brand, without causing conflicts with the retailer's suppliers and other channels of distribution. So that makes us really different than any solution for price segmenting that is currently out there for retailers and also for branded manufacturers who also use our platform. So nuts and bolts, how would this basically work? How would it look? You know, The customers come to our site. We have millions of products on Discount Bandit. They find the exact one, they place an order. After that, we then go match them to a retailer or a branded manufacturer. And then once that entity accepts that order from their side, we give them the customer. So we give them the customer and say, hey, this is your customer. You process the order, and then you can go ahead and market to them after the fact. And this makes us really different from the other sort of marketplace generation sources that are out there in that... Not only, yeah, not only are we accessing a frugal consumer base without diluting their existing price points, but also the retailer is processing the order directly. It's their customer. So they can, unlike an Amazon purchase, where if you even like say the person's name out loud, a lightning bolt will come and strike you down, you're able to then go and market to that person after the fact. The retailer gets paid immediately. They own the relationship. And the most important weird factor that really differentiates us from other marketplaces and other entities is that we don't charge the retailer or brand for the service. So it's zero cost of customer acquisition for them. We make our money by charging the shoppers. So in a sense, you could think of us really as like a personal shopping service for consumers trying to find them great deals. Okay. I'm glad you kind of closed it up with the customer focus because the value for the retailer or or the manufacturers is very clear, especially in context of all of these other marketplace players that are out there, right? So for the customer specifically, how does this translate to value? So you noted better pricing, you noted a bit of matchmaking there, more of like a personal shopper. So can we dig into that a, a little bit about ultimately what the benefits are for the end customer what they experience, because I'm not sure if you've experienced maybe people being a little bit, I don't want to say worried, but like dubious about the whole blind shopping thing. And I know that the travel category has experienced and marketed that type of model, but how does this come to life for your customers, I guess is the question. Yes. Great question. So like you said, we have two customers. We've got the retailers and we have the end shoppers. And so the benefit is pretty obvious for the, the end retailer. For the consumer, though, price is king. There's all sorts of different factors that you can differentiate on as a retailer or brand in terms of speed of delivery, in terms of quality of content, in terms of customer service experience, both pre and post sale. But in every single survey you ever see out there, price as a very high percentage, is a significant driver of sales. And so our pricing on thousands and thousands of the most popular products out there is the best online. 
Now, you could probably beat our pricing if you were to buy it used you know, on Craigslist or something along, you know, if you were that type of consumer. But for the consumer looking to buy a new product from a authorized retail outlet for that product, so it comes with a return policy and comes with whatever the standard uh, warranty is, we are a fantastic outlet for them. And as you said, there's overall frugality and overall consumer sentiment um, over the last, I think it was PwC has done a survey saying that consumers are becoming more and more frugal and more and more concerned about their finances. And so consequently, we're a fantastic outlet for that. We've seen just great lift in overall sales. When you look through our site, what we'll do is we actually crawl all, not the entire internet, but we crawl some pretty significant sources of pricing data that's out there. And so we understand how our prices compare to any other source, any retail source that's out there. And we try our best to always make sure that we're beating those. And we'll put a steel badge on our site for those that we think are just a really fantastic deal. We're pretty confident based upon the information that we've crawled out there. And we'll even sort of change, again, we're charging a shopper for our service. And so we'll even shift our margins and we'll take very, very low margins sometimes simply just to provide the consumer that best deal out there so we can stay consistent to our brand promise. Very interesting. So you've brought up a few times that frugality or that price consciousness of the consumer. And and that's always been a talking point, I feel like, in in our coverage and just our analysis of consumer behaviors. But it's been an interesting 18 months, right? Because we've seen these, these fluctuations, I guess you could say, in that level of price consciousness, depending on where the pandemic was, where the employment market was, and of course, where just overall sentiment was, as far as the state of things, what was going. So can we dig into that a little bit, what you've seen as CEO of Discount Bandit? And you mentioned a rise in overall sales, but is there anything as far as acquisition versus retention goes? So like once people experience the tool, they experience the value, they, they keep coming back because of those capabilities. I mean, what, what are you seeing from an overall consumer behavioral standpoint? Yeah, so we've definitely benefited from the recent trends. You know, Google, you know, they came out with that data that said, hey, just people searching for discount code have increased 50% you know, since last year. Obviously, consumers are also at home, locked down, buying behavior has dramatically shifted. Overall, the just giant wave have listed all the boats in e-commerce, which we have also benefited from in terms of overall customer acquisition. I mentioned the PwC survey. I think there's some other ones out there. You know, Cooper Tire did one that said three out of four shoppers are more careful spenders than they were a year ago. That's a pretty significant amount. 75% said they were more careful in shopping now than they were a year ago. And 90% of them describe themselves as value shoppers. That's amazing. So for us, as an outlet to access those frugal consumers, and that being our shopper base, I mean, that's just you know music to our ears. Combine that with... So, so now you have these frugal people out there, right? They're looking for great deals. But then you combine that with also that loyalty has gone down. It's, I think it was mentioned on one of your previous podcasts, but there was a McKinsey study that basically said that people are just, their, their overall brand loyalty has gone down, right? 75% of them, yes, they, they tried new shopping behaviors, new stores, new brands. More than a third of them have tried new brands. So they're switching how they traditionally shop. So you combine those 
increase in frugality with the decrease in loyalty. And that's that's a perfect storm for us in terms of being able to drive new customer acquisition our way. Now, what's interesting is that decrease in loyalty for us hasn't dra- translated to a loss in retention. But I think that that's pretty unique for us in the sense that who we're playing towards, right? We're, we're, we're playing towards the food consumers. So what we see is actually the reverse. We see that customers buy in one category, then they may come and buy in additional categories once they've kind of tested us. And you talk to that a little bit, which is like overcoming that initial barrier of customer trust in, in a blind marketplace model. And I think that that is our greatest obstacle. So Again, the the pitch to retailers and brands that's that's obvious. You know, we're really sticky for them. They they do well on our platform. It's convincing that consumer to buy from us. We are not an Amazon brand right now, where every single person on the entire planet, even in the remotest village in Africa, knows who we are. Right. So, so being able to provide all those necessary trust signals, whether it's the customer reviews, whether it's the BBB related seals. Whether it's, you know, we won Marketplace Innovation Award at the Retail X conference for brand, putting all those trust signals out there so the consumer can see them. Because you're right, it is is a difficult proposition sometimes to say, hey, look, you're gonna get a great price, but you're not gonna know who that retailer is, but but trust us. So we have to provide, we have a full money back guarantee on all of the fees that we charge consumers for any reason. I mean, they can literally just say, Hey, I don't like your logo, please give me my money back. Right. So, so we really try our best to provide them all those trust signals and all of the guarantees that they need to know that, you know, yes, they are going to buy from a real retailer. Yes, we're going to stand behind our, our pricing and this product. Address your question? Yeah, absolutely. It actually leads me to a follow up question in a certain respect because you, you spoke about all of the, I guess, safeguards you, you could say you've put in place to build that customer trust. And it's interesting that the data that you previously shared in your response, one was the point around just overall frugality, but the other one that struck me was that consumers are saying they're more careful about their purchases. And of course, on surface level, it's like they're, they're just being mindful about when they're spending and what they're spending on. But I feel like there are almost layers to that that word careful, right? It's like making sure that you're not, that you're being mindful of who you're buying from. That there's a brand element to that, I think, that connects nicely to your point around the measures that you're taking to build that trust and to basically make them feel a bit more confident in the brand and the overall experience. And I guess that the follow-up question there is, I mean, what other deep could be mental or emotional factors that you think have impacted customer behaviors on the, on your platform? Is it, I guess the question is, is it just about the pricing that you think is what's building that retention or could these safeguards be contributing to that return, right? Like they're saying, okay, like this company is is taking the steps that it needs to build my trust and make me feel like I'm getting the experience that I want and I deserve as a consumer, right? Because I've been seeing all of these things pop up around like, oh, order this through Instagram, you get something completely different or like the quality is bad. Like I feel like we're kind of in an interesting time where you can buy anything you want whenever you want, but the quality eh, may, may not always be that great. I know that's kind of a loaded question, but <laughs> I'm wondering if there's anything deeper there from a behavioral standpoint. You know, we had surveyed into our customers to understand what was driving their purchase behavior. 
And I believe it's evolved some, but uh, definitely the earlier customers onto our platform and still to a large degree, a good chunk of our existing customer base is shopping as a game. Some of these folks, they have decided, let's say, that they're going to buy this item, but they are only going to purchase it if they can feel like they've won. They get the the best price out there. It says So they go online and they'll check 10 different online retail sites and scrub all those sites for pricing and ultimately find us on their customer journey. And what they'll say to us in the surveys is basically they felt like they've won. They found the best price out there, right? And that, that they're the hero now of the story because they went out there and we were kind of their guide and helped them to have this victory. And so that was definitely, especially the earlier purchasers from our platform before our name was as well known because you're taking a risk. And they were the sort of the, I wouldn't even say the early adopters, I would say they're the innovators on the platform. And then the early adopters came on board and they were also doing the same thing. And they were also saying, hey, look, we feel special because we think we found this great thing. We found this great deal that other people weren't aware of. And so they felt good. Now, where we're transitioning now is going from that sort of that early adopter mindset to the sort of early mainstream mindset. And I believe at that point, it begins to shift where it's not just purely like, hey, I won and hey, I'm willing to take a risk. It's, hey, this has to be safe. And I have to feel comfortable doing this. I'm not some risk taker who's going to be the first one to, to, to take that leap of faith. And so that's why, like we said earlier, it's that continuing to, to focus on the all of those trust signals. That's interesting, the gamification of it all, which I guess makes sense with your business model, right? Like that there's that blindness of who the retailer is, the pricing approach, and the curation, I guess, of, of different options and different products into one experience. And I remember for years, gamification was a really big deal. I mean, it was largely presented through like point systems, badges, but I just think, you know, the business models that are able to bring gaming and fun into it, either implicitly or explicitly, explicitly are the ones that are able to not just get that acquisition, but get people talking about it, right? So your, your point about being the hero, I could imagine there are some people that like have that great experience and they can't wait to tell other people about it, right? Yes. So there's the, it's a fantastic book, Brand Story, right? It's one of the top sellers right now out there in terms of marketing that really talks about positioning your shopper at your retail store, your shopper for at your for your brand as the hero, and you're just enabling them to kind of reach that pinnacle. You're their guide and helping them to to win. And so that we totally play on that with a lot of our marketing, and because our our surveys show that that's actually how a lot of our folks are thinking. And yeah, so so it makes a lot of sense to try to to focus on that not only for us but really for all retail and brands that are out there. Oh, that's excellent. So we have a few different things going on in here, which is very interesting, really goes to show how multidimensional we all are in terms of our consumer behaviors, what we're looking for, what we think we need, what we ultimately do versus what we say we, we want to do. I just think you know your, your story really speaks nicely to how complex all of this is and how sometimes there may not be just one complete answer to how to best serve your customers. But I mean, as far as this level of frugality and this willingness to hunt and find the best option, find the most 
price conscious option, find the best brand to meet our needs. A lot of things going on, but for frugality, especially, I mean, how do you anticipate these behaviors will continue or evolve? Because like now I'm kind of thinking holiday, right? And, and I think everyone is because there are so many reports around inflation, price accessibility, supply chain constraints, all of which kind of impact pricing, right? So where do you think this is going in terms of consumers' level of frugality? Will they care more about just getting the product they need on time? If you're to look in the crystal ball, I mean, where do you think this is going? Sure. So in talking with our retail partners that are on our platform, obviously supply chain disruptions are prolific and deep, widespread and deep. So they're all impacted by this and they're all it's top of mind with all of the buying that they've been doing very early this year to try to load up, not get impacted in their holiday sales period. I think that as an overall trend, the consumers, yes, they are becoming more frugal and all the stuff, you know, the repeated studies show that that is, it seems to be a behavior that's sticking. For this particular holiday season, though, with the extreme limit on supply, I think that this is me just predicting, but, you know, there's, if they know specifically what Johnny wants under the Christmas tree, and this is definitely what this person wants, and they can't find that deep, deep discount on it, I suspect that that's going to still put a lot of pressure on them to still pull the trigger. So I would imagine that a lot of these retailers being supply constrained, I think the prediction is that we're not going to see sort of those same deep discounts on Black Friday that we might in prior seasons, simply because why give up that dollar if you know you're going to set, you know, if you know you're going to make it on a different customer, if not this particular one? So it's not in myself, you know, it's obviously it's not in my self interest to say this. However, from a discounting perspective going into this holiday season, I imagine that they're going to be a little bit more limited. And I imagine that consumers are still going to buy, even though all the trends show that frugality is increasing, loyalty is decreasing, and that all of that is sticking. But I do think that obviously as a long-term strategy, that is something that you have to keep in mind is accessing that frugal consumer, accessing their mindset. You know, if you look at traditional ways that people have tried to price segment in the past, they will, like you Black Friday is a perfect example, they'll basically discount for that short period of time and then raise the prices. That's a pretty crude way of accessing frugal consumers. It's taking a giant hammer and just kind of smashing it down versus, and, and you're destroying also and diluting some of your full price sales and, and consumers that are willing to buy at those higher price points. So they've used coupons, they've used volume buying. And so there's all of these existing strategies that obviously, hopefully every one of your listeners is, is already doing, but being able to also access them in a different way that doesn't cause those dilutions, that doesn't come with some of those drawbacks, is really what Discount Bandit is trying to do out there, is provide them a better way of price segmenting that they can run all year long uh, without impacting their brand. That's great. So so if we were to zoom out and kind of break these behaviors and some of those tactics that you just shared, Stephen, into you know a few maybe takeaways or, or recommendations, not just for your partners, but you know for, for retailers and manufacturers as a whole, right? I'm sure a lot of people are thinking beyond the, the scope of holiday and into 2022. And like you said, a lot of these behaviors are not going away. Maybe they'll evolve, but a lot of them will stick um, for quite a while. So I mean, how can they best 
you know, adapt and fine tune their strategies to get that right mix of the different things that, that you were talking about and, you know, better resonate with this, this breed of consumers, including, you know, possibly partnering with a discount bandit to get a new strategy and, you know, add something new to their approach. Sure. So retail margins are very low and the pressure continues to increase on retailers with the you know what's what's Amazon now it's 400 billion probably higher now probably for this year so the, the pressure on them continues to increase the competition continues to increase customer acquisition costs continue to rise margins are very very low and so what strategies can they implement to survive in that kind of an environment and but not only survive really to thrive and to grow and obviously what we're what I'm talking about here is price segmentation but you know all of the traditional ways of better serving your customers, defining your what your niche is and how you are different than all of your competition is critical. But you know, regarding price segmentation, we had mentioned some of the things before that they could do. For example, you have services that are out there you can sign up for today where you can couple with someone that does military-related discounts. So you have a service on your site that you plug into that if someone wants to check out, it can verify that they are associated with the military and provide them better pricing. If you do that, what happens is now, okay, now you're able to perhaps gain some market share back from Amazon, right? You're able to sell some new consumers that uh, you didn't have before. You can do all those other differentiations as well. So other ways of price limiting is age. So you have student-related discounts, you have senior-related discounts that you can provide to continue to further again find ways to access those consumers that amazon might be stealing from you today you can do corporate related discounts so we partner with folks who they will offer discounts to different corporate entities and the employees of those corporate entities so if you can show that you work for them geographic based discounts you know there's a famous story uh, way back when of you know two people who two sisters who bought the same outfit from the same national retailer online and they bought it at, a, at the same week and the prices that they paid were dramatically different based upon the states that they lived in and so being able to say hey look maybe based upon geographic distributions what we're going to do is we're going to provide different pricing to different geographies you could do it even based upon domain name attribution if you said hey look visitors from dot government sites perhaps we will, or .edu especially. So perhaps visitors from .edu domains, we will then provide them perhaps a slightly more of a discount, an education-related discount. So finding ways of creatively going, slicing the market up so that you are not setting one price across the board for all consumers. I believe on your last podcast, you had a gentleman on who was talking about all of the deep analysis and all of the deep metrics that goes into pricing a product. But that's in a sort of a singular dimension. That's one dimension of it, but it gets even more complex because then you can take that one dimension and break it out to multi-dimensions based upon those individual customer segments. If you look at the intersection of the supply and demand curve and say, okay, well, this is our price point, right? That's one price point. But if you were to have different price points all underneath that curve, you were going to maximize your overall profitability. Your revenues will go up. Your overall profitability goes up. Even if your margin takes a slight hit, you're still going to be much more successful. So keeping really that mindset of how do I access not just a single monolithic consumer, but how do I access all these different 
segments of consumers. We do the same thing in email marketing, right? So with email marketing, we will learn every single thing, like, you know, what's your favorite dog breed to, you know, what do you sleep on your left or right hand side or on your back? We'll really kind of get into the mindset of the consumer so that we can really target our marketing message to them. Well, but then when it comes to pricing, it's like, oh, here's our price. Do you like it? <laughs> so, so, so just making sure that price segmentation is part of your overall strategy of reaching your consumer. Definitely some great advice there, Stephen. So, I mean, as, as we think forward towards holiday and 2022, I mean, what else or what is Discount Bandit focusing on to support and empower not just the shopper, like the end consumer, but also the retail and manufacturing partners, right? Because they're navigating so much change. They're trying to find the best way, like you just beautifully illustrated, finding the right way to optimize their their strategies um, moving forward to also navigate all of these other pressures and changes that are happening in the supply chain and elsewhere. So what's on the to-do list, I guess you could say, for Discount Bandit um, going into the new year? Sure. Well, in the near term, in the near term, we're basically telling them to start shopping early. And there's a couple of reasons for this. If you look at, to your question about the customer sort of behavior and the behavior of our consumers earlier, you know, our consumers are interesting in the sense that because they are frugal and because let's say that's the, the price point is the number one factor for them, they're actually willing to wait pretty extensive periods of time. It was interesting when we first came up with this idea back in 2014, one of the things that we were wondering was, well, is price king and will they do things like wait a long time? So in a model where we then have to match them post-fact to the retailer, and then you know, different retailers have different service levels. So we'll have a retailer that ships the same day if you order by 7 p.m., and then we'll have a retailer that ships you know, three days later. And so understanding, will the customer wait? And our customers, they will wait, which is, which is fantastic, and, and they'll buy uh, in a blind source, which, is, which also proves out the model. Uh, now, going into this particular season, those lengths of time, though, they're getting longer and longer. And we do have some customers that will wait like a month for a product and in order to get a significant discount on it. And so there are customers out there. But going into the holiday season specifically, what's driving that behavior is obviously holiday-related buying. So they have an event that they need to then present this item at. We are just hammering them with messages about getting those orders in early. That helps us because it helps us to actually secure some of those orders. It helps them because the last thing they won't want, again, is a disappointed Johnny waiting for his present under the Christmas tree. And so I think that's a great service that people should be providing the consumer today is just if they're uncertain about their supply, just making sure that that, that messaging about getting those orders in and locked in early is, is helpful to them. It's a, it is a bit of a weird season, but I think that communicating with your consumers, obviously, in their interests and hopefully in yours is, is always a great strategy to have. You know, continuing to provide, obviously, great customer service is critical to, to what we do and to what all your listeners do. And then selection is key. You know, we've got a couple million products, a couple million products uh, catalog. That's a little ridiculous, actually. But ensuring, obviously, that you have that selection to meet their needs is going to be critical. Awesome. Well, Stephen, thank you again so much for taking the time out to join me. It's been fascinating to hear 
discount bandit's business model, you know, how it all works, you know, how you try to benefit both your brand and retailer partners, as well as the end customers, a lot of things at play there. So very fascinating. Great to get your perspectives too on, on all of the changes that are happening among consumers. I guess only time will tell where it all goes, but for now, I think you, you've given us a lot of great points to stew on and think through as we get into the holidays and of course the new year. So thank you again so much for taking the time. It was great to meet you. Fantastic. Thank you for having me. And to all of you, if you have any follow-up questions or comments for Stephen or myself on today's episode content, we would love to hear from you. You can drop us a line on Twitter at our touchpoints or through LinkedIn at Retail Touchpoints. And of course, if you liked what you heard today or in other episodes, please drop us a comment and some feedback on your preferred podcast player. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere else you listen to podcasts, we are likely there. Spread the word, share your feedback. It'll help us get the good word out. Thanks again, everyone. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.